0: Yesterday was the biggest day ever for HealthCare.gov. Well, then we better kill Obamacare. Kill it right away. It's too popular. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling there's something right. Nowadays. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right, here I am Stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you From Pacifica Radio and in I Los Angeles This do is the broadcast as heard so on KPFK 90.7 on FM People-powered radio in L.A. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast And 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1FM Green Renaissance Network, in Palinville, New York on 102.9FM WLPP, in Bellingham, Washington on KZAX 94.9, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, we are also heard each and every weekday, uh, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. Also joining us today is Desi Doyen, similarly from bradblog.com. How are you, Desi Doyen?
1: I'm all right. Are you hanging in there? Okay, good to know.
0: Uh, Lots to get to today. Uh, I didn't even get to say hello to you yesterday. So I wanted to make sure we were so busy yesterday with everything that was going on, the terror attacks, everything else. So I just wanted to put it right up front and make sure we said hi. 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 Also, uh, you'll be joining us uh, later as well uh, with the uh, with the latest Green News report uh, and, and some interesting news from scientists who are actually standing up and taking to the streets.
1: Yeah, it's very, very interesting, and it's a new chapter for science in America. (laughs) Uh, Yes,
0: well, it is, and uh, interesting to watch them rally and give these rally speeches, and you watch them and you go, yeah, these guys are not professional activists. They're scientists. Yeah. Uh, So we'll have a little bit of that as well. And we've got some uh, breaking news just as we go to air here today concerning offshore drilling In in is it in the Arctic? It's in in a couple uh, of places. It's in the
1: Arctic and it's off the Atlantic.
0: We will get to that in a little bit. Uh, But I want to make sure because I've been trying to get to this since uh, Friday uh, at his year end press conference at the White House uh, on Friday. President Obama had announced that the Affordable Care Act exchange, the Obamacare marketplace, had seen six hundred and seventy thousand people sign up for coverage. Uh, Last Thursday, the day before his his press conference, and that was the biggest uh, open enrollment day, single open enrollment day ever. Now, no matter how you may feel about Obamacare, it has succeeded in providing tens of millions of Americans with access to health care that was not available previously to them. It has also decidedly not been a drain on the economy or the medical or the insurance industry that Republicans had long predicted and warned and misinformed the nation about. Remember, Job-killing Obamacare all <laughs> well, the time. Job-killing <laughs> Obamacare. we got to end it. Repeal and replace it. Uh, it. That's what the GOP has done for the past eight years, and now they're about to have their chance to repeal and replace it. In any event, uh, before we get to that, here, here was the president on Friday. When I came into office, 44 million people were uninsured. Today, we've covered more than 20 million of them. For the first time in our history, more than 90% of Americans are insured. In fact, yesterday was the biggest day ever for healthcare.gov. More than 670,000 Americans signed up to get covered, and more signing up by the day. None of these actions stifled growth, as critics predicted. Instead, the stock market has nearly tripled. Since I signed, Obamacare in the law. Our businesses have added more than 15 million new jobs. I love that he, even he calls it Obamacare <laughs> at this point. Uh, the day before his press conference on Friday, uh, on Thursday, the Department of Health and Human Services had announced that the open enrollment deadline for uh, for January one coverage had been extended by two business days. They were they cited the extraordinary demand. For Obamacare, for the Affordable Care Act, and that big boost to the program uh, comes as Republicans are preparing to repeal and theoretically replace the Affordable Care Act in the new Congress next year. Republican leaders have been uh, suggesting that this is going to be their top priority in January. Now, remember, 22 million Americans No matter what you think, no matter if you think it should have been a better bill, a single payer type uh, bill, 22 million Americans now have access to health care that they did not have before. And the uh, Health and Human Services has uh, continued to tout its uh, outreach and its enrollment efforts, even as these Republicans are planning to repeal Obamacare. But it may not be that easy Nonetheless, uh, they say there's going uh, the Republicans have said there's they're they're planning a transition phase. No one will be without health care during this phase, a transition phase where where some some of the uh, Affordable Care Act programs, like subsidies that are available through the exchanges, uh, that those will continue for two or three years, maybe. Health policy experts, however, are warning that uh, depending on what the repeal looks like, the individual market could end up collapsing. The insurance market uh, could end up collapsing uh, in that period that uh, because of the uncertainty that repealing Obamacare would cause and what the replacement would be. Uh, now, it is, of course, only individuals who use that exchange, who use the Obamacare exchange, those with policies through their uh, employer. They're not affected by an, uh, an Obamacare repeal, at least other than the new benefits that are required for all such uh, insurance plans like free checkups, coverage for kids up to 26 years of age, uh, and the slowdown in the increase to health care prices, which has been useful to everyone. And, of course, you will be affected if you lose your job and you don't have the Affordable Care Act exchange to uh, to go to once that's repealed, if that's repealed, if states don't themselves pick it up as we think and hope will uh, happen out here in California, no matter what happens in the uh, to the federal bill. But we don't know. There's uncertainty everywhere, unfortunately. Now, that 20 million or 22 million or 23 million, whatever that number is, uh, is actually a relatively small number compared to the overall American population. So, you know, 22, 20 million, 22 million may soon lose their health care entirely. Uh, if Obamacare is 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 repealed at least without being replaced right away, as is looking more and more likely. So only, I know it's weird. only twenty two million Americans will lose their uh, their access to health care under this. But that is no, you know, that's no small number. It is small compared to the overall population. And frankly, it's small., uh, if you look at the power that those people have, those people who are using, the Obamacare exchange and the expansion of Medicaid that came with it—you know—those people don't have the same kind of power that these huge corporations do, that, you know, white...
1: Wait, are you saying that some, you know, class, original working yeah. class guy or gal who's just hanging out and doing the best that they can trying yeah. to make ends meet can't get access to a congressman or a legislator to be able to lobby them to get them a multi-billion dollar... Oh, yeah, I yeah, guess not. Yeah,
0: they, they don't have the same kind of control not that the, same uh, kind of yeah, that the rich the... people do, that the billionaires now that uh, Donald Trump has stocked his cabinet with has. Uh, so it. It is no small number of Americans, even if they don't have a lot of political power. And those Americans are going to pay a pretty horrible price. Uh, And I remember, you know, in the run up to the election, I would hear from listeners who did not like Hillary Clinton or that they thought Obamacare sucked because it wasn't single payer. They wanted a better plan. I understand that. And, And I said at the time, well, you know, good. I hope you can survive a repeal of Obamacare. I hope you can survive what is going to come your way with the Donald Trump presidency. And I still hope they'll be able to uh, survive them. But the, there was a, a, a letter that um, someone wrote, wrote to Josh Marshall at TPM a few weeks ago. And I've been, I keep thinking about it. I read it a few weeks ago. I keep thinking about it. And so I feel like I should share it <laughs> because, uh, you know, it sort of puts the, all of this in perspective. Uh, Josh posted it at the time, and he said, I have nothing but silence to offer. It comes from a a reader that he calls TC. Let me just read you this this letter from TC. Uh, He said, I am prompted to write to you for the first time because I appreciate very much your attempt to closely track the GOP's efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act. So many times in these discussions, words fail to capture the stakes of the issue. When we speak of 20 million or 23 million people who may lose their health insurance if the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, is repealed, I suspect most absorb that as a useful data point and then quite naturally move on. I'm writing, he says, in the hope that I can get your uh, readers to pause for a moment and consider what this this loss truly means behind the abstractions. He says, my wife has advanced colorectal cancer. She was diagnosed in 2008 when our children, our three children, were three, two, and nine months old. At the time, the only insurance available to her in 2008 was California's Major Risk Insurance Program, or MRIP. This was a program designed at the state level to address the insurance needs of people like my wife who have pre-existing conditions. She happens to have a genetic, a genetic mutation that can lead to colorectal cancer. MRIP was better than nothing, but it was paltry. It had an annual cap of $75,000 per year. That first year, he says, we blew through the cap by February. Same thing happened the second and third years, 2009 and 2010. All the rest of our medical bills for multiple surgeries, hospital stays, chemotherapy, radiation, CT scans, etc. All of that we had to pay entirely out of pocket. In 2011, to our huge relief, the Affordable Care Act came into effect. Amid all the pain and the heartache and soothing our children and long days and nights and fears for the future, we at least knew that we had help with expenses. We felt our country had our backs. For many, for many families, if the GOP repeals the Affordable Care Act, it means that they will be thrown back on state programs like California's major risk insurance program again. At best, at best. Politicians will be able to say proudly at that time that everyone with a pre-existing condition can still get insurance. Look, if you live in California, you can go on the MRIP program just because you have pre-existing condition, just because you have a genetic mutation that can lead to colorectal cancer. Because it bankrupts you, because $75,000 a year, uh, the the annual cap on that program, well, that's not going to be enough. Back to the letter. Uh, he says, but without the structure of the Affordable Care Act and its mandate barring the use of pre-existing conditions as an excuse to deny coverage by private health insurance companies, uh, they will know full well that these insurance programs, the Republicans, will know full well that these programs will severely limit what is covered. Private insurance plans would simply not have a large enough pool, large enough pools of, of uh of uh, insured individuals to do better. State programs would lack funding. People like us would be left in the lurch once again. He says this doesn't mean, just mean, that millions will lose their health insurance. It means someone's mother coughing blood or a father groaning in pain and yelling behind a closed door. It means parents or other family members arguing because after one of them missed a promotion at work because all of the time spent talking, uh, spent taking care of a loved one. It means slammed doors. It means missed dinners. Most of all, it means a child somewhere in some inconsequential town crying, heaving sobs into his pillow because his parent is going to die. Another child sitting in stunned silence in class, not listening to a word, the teacher says. I want readers to visualize this as concretely as possible whenever they consider millions losing their health insurance. Of course, I would like members of the GOP leadership and the Trump transition team to visualize this, too. Repealing a health insurance program that has been working for millions of people is worse than proposing something ineffective. It demonstrates outright a willingness to be cruel, to hurt people unnecessarily. There is no other word for it. It is heartless. I think it's worth uh, taking the time. I wanted to take the time to share that letter because I think we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, on well, not necessarily on this program, I guess, but uh, you know, in the in the media, the political media, talking about what Republicans plan to do, when they plan to do it, how they're going to do it, repeal and replace. Pull, get rid of uh, Obamacare root branch and how does Mitch McConnell say it, whatever the hell he says. But we're talking about real people who are affected by this. And, and real people, you know, not just losing their own health care, but their families, the effect that it has on their families. It is cruel, it is dark, uh, and it has a real effect on Americans around the country. Millions of them. And uh, that's not how it's dealt with in the media. And so I think it's important to, to keep that in mind, even as we talk about the, the political way forward, how they're going to do it. Oh, we're not going to repeal and replace right away. We'll just repeal now and replace later. We'll repeal now, which means actually uh, giving a stealth uh, tax cut to, to the wealthy. Because Obamacare has an increased tax on uh, millionaires and so forth, and those people will get their money back once this, is, uh, once this is repealed. And that means to replace it will necessarily be a tax increase. Now, do you think Republicans, Republicans in the House, Republicans in the Senate, Senate and a Republican in the White House are going to get behind a tax increase in order to fund health care? Really? No, they're not, and uh, and if you need any evidence of that, after you know reading that letter from T.C., uh, I got this uh, in my inbox last night from Freedom Works, this right wing wingnut outfit. Brad, Obamacare will be repealed. President-elect Donald Trump has promised it, and now Republicans must deliver it. But repealing Obamacare is the easy part. The question is, what will replace it? Will it be replaced with Obamacare Lite or a true patient centered free market health care plan? <laughs>
1: As if you could have free mar- free market and patient centered in the same sentence without it being a joke.
0: Yeah, and isn't that what we had uh, previously? Yes. Isn't that what we had a free market healthcare plan that left millions of Americans without access to healthcare? Forty, what was it? Forty million Americans. So we now have the lowest uninsured rate ever, but that's not an, and, and that's not enough. Or that actually, that's no good. We have to undo that. So will it be replaced with Obamacare light or true patient-centered free market health care plan? Only time will tell, but we can't just sit idly by and let these career politicians do it by themselves. We must act, says FreedomWorks. Contact your representative and senators right now. Tell them to repeal and replace Obamacare with a true free market health care plan. Like the one that we had that
1: didn't work.
0: That left uh, uh, TC uh, and his wife uh, facing a bankruptcy And they lived in California And they had coverage uh, At least up to $75,000 a year Through the major risk insurance program But, you know, the free market That'll take care of it That's what we need A true free market healthcare plan Like that one They go on to say, Brad, you know, Democrats aren't going to let this opportunity pass them by. They're going to try to force these weak-kneed Republicans to pass a watered-down version of Obamacare. And if you stay silent now, they will succeed. Don't let that happen. Contact your members of Congress right now. Tell them to repeal and replace Obamacare with a true free-market health care plan today. It comes from the uh, right- wing nut uh, Freedom Works operation. It is not enough to uh, to repeal it. Uh, <laughs> they want more. They continue to want more.
1: And it's 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 heartbreaking as you've mentioned with all the millions of people who are going to get knocked off their coverage, but also the the weasel words that the Republicans so far are using in their explanations of what they might maybe get around to possibly replacing it with when they get around to that. You know this idea that well you know we'll make sure that people with pre existing conditions can go into a high risk pool, but they don't mention the part that that is extremely expensive. Just as those people found out when they. They went to the California high-risk Yeah, pool. that they only get but a that, certain
0: amount. You uh, know, the, the, there's the a idea, cap on that.
1: These health savings accounts that Republicans have been very enamored with for a very long time, you know, those are only useful if you can save up the four hundred to $500,000 it would require, say, for cancer treatment. A health savings account is just a bank account, essentially. And it doesn't really help anybody if you don't have the money in the first place, which is what this is all about.
0: According to a a new Pew poll this month, 54 percent of Americans prefer expanding or leaving the Affordable Care Act as is. A majority of Americans say don't touch it or expand it, make it better. Just 39 percent favor repealing it. But that doesn't matter. That's what they're planning to do anyway. Senator Chris Murphy, who's uh, emerging now as one of the leaders uh, to try to uh, save health care, in, uh, in Congress, a Democratic senator from California says, let's be clear, Republicans are never, ever going to offer a replacement to the Affordable Care Act. The repeal vote will be the first and last vote on this issue. No other vote is coming. Murphy said in a statement that every Republican who votes for repeal will own the catastrophic rate hikes and massive increases in the number of, in- of insured that will result.
1: I have to disagree with him on that, because right now we've already seen that the media, the corporate media that has been obsessed so far with just reporting on the process of what the Republicans are trying to do with Obamacare, they're not really covering what the policies actually mean in real time for real people. So... I am not at all confident mm-hmm. that if the Republicans do completely do a repeal, that they will be punished by anybody because the media won't tell the American people whose fault it is.
0: Oh, he's saying they're going to own the uh, what will happen. He's not saying they'll be punished by it. Well, okay, I mean, they'll was, own
1: what happened, but it won't make any. You're right, I, no. I'm being very cynical yeah. right now. But that that is I, I fear that that is what's going to be the case, is that there will be no outcry. There will be no real owning of it. They'll find a way to get the Democrats. To be blamed for it.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Because and and they're but actually I'm going to go, <laughs> no. Well, I know you are, but they're going to have to go to the Democrats at that point. Uh, it, you know, because it will necessarily inc- include a, a, a tax increase. They're not going to be able to get their in- Republican caucus to support it. They're going to have to go to the Democrats, and if the Democrats don't do it, well, they're not. Uh, they're not funding health care. They don't care about the American people. The, it's the it's the Democrats who are keeping all of these Americans from getting health care. So that's what happens if they split up the repeal from the replace. And all signs say, uh, suggest that is where they're headed. And uh, writing over at uh, Vox today, John Kingsdale um, uh, writes that uh, he says, well, where does all of that leave the Affordable Care Act? He's pretty darn hard to repeal and replace because so many people actually are uh, he's a, he's actually somewhat uh, bullish that the, the, that the uh, Obamacare will need to stay in place once the Republicans. I guess he would disagree with you, Des. Uh, once the Republicans realize uh, what this is going to cost them, how many of their own constituents are going going to be affected by this? It turns out that some of the areas where Obamacare uh, is the most popular are actually places that voted for Donald Trump. So uh, Kingsdale goes on to say uh, pretty darn hard to repeal and replace uh, the Affordable Care Act, but doing nothing seems equally untenable. Either the Republicans fund the Affordable Care Act after they have repealed it, leading Tea Partiers to call for their heads and everyone else to wonder how they can support a law that they revile or they provide over an insurance crisis. If they defund it, Americans will see just how much they really had to lose and Republicans will no longer have Obama to blame. Kingsdale uh, says it sounds implausibly optimistic, but the only way out of this dead end may be for Republicans to reform the Affordable Care Act, even as they claim to have done away with it. There are many ways to do this, he says, but my favorite is to punt the issues to the state's. As uh, uh, Senator uh, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana has suggested, the basic idea is to preserve most of the federal funding for the Affordable Care Act, but vastly expand its state waiver provision, allowing each state to design its own replacement or not with its share of the federal dollars. States could enact mandates and market reforms that mirror the Affordable Care Act the way Massachusetts did before Obamacare existed or modify them or take entirely different approaches. In other words, he's saying do what uh, do what Massachusetts did, do what Mitt Romney did in Massachusetts, create Obamacare, but put it at the state level and call it something else. He says such approaches might range from Medicaid for all Uh, For all uninsured to high risk insurance pools for those denied individual coverage, just like the ones we talked about in California. But, you know, states cannot afford to be as generous as the federal government.
1: That's
0: right. You know, states say, well, no, seventy five thousand if you need to spend any more than that to stay alive. Good riddance to you. He goes on to say repeal and replace is looking harder and harder to pull off by the day. Republicans may find reform and rename a far more manageable goal, even if it falls short of their promise to drive a stake through the heart of the Affordable Care Act. And even if it involves some pretense, we will see. He is. I guess that's an optimistic note. I think i join you, Des. I, I, I'm not cynical, but I am not optimistic. Uh, not when you read letters like that from Freedom Works, saying, uh, you know, we got everything we wanted, but we need more. And we need to make sure that there is no pity taken on any of our fellow citizens in any way, shape or form. And, of course, all of that doesn't even speak to the Republican plans to cut Social Security and to privatize Medicare. A lot of people, either way you slice it, are going to be hurt, and the only real question is, uh, when this happens, will the media notice? And even if they do, will anybody other than the millions of Americans who need the help the most, will they notice enough, Uh, will the media notice enough, will the politicians notice enough to even care? We're seeing good arguments that no, uh, not right now, not as we have everything uh, so gerrymandered within an inch of its life that it doesn't matter what people think about our policies. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to kill this popular program anyway. We're going to kill this popular program that takes care of 22 million people and their families no matter what, because, you know, politics. And that's what Republicans are doing. Quick break, and we're back with more right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Another item I wanted to get to to uh, follow up on from late last week was this coup, this power grab that's going on in North Carolina, and uh, it looks like it's a, uh, uh, a fait accompli at this point. Uh, the uh, there, there was a, okay, just to remind you, if you didn't hear the show, the Bradcast late last week, there was a... Uh, Well, there was a very close election in the state of North Carolina when it came to the governor's race. The uh, Republican there, Pat McCrory, lost his reelection bid to the attorney general, Roy Cooper, by just 10,000 votes in North Carolina, which has for the last several elections been a swing state. And it was so swingy this year. That uh, the the Republican uh, presidential candidate, Donald Trump, won in, reportedly won in North Carolina, as did the U.S. Senate candidate, Richard Burr, in North Carolina. Nonetheless, the Republican governor lost. And it's said to have no small, uh, for no small reason, because of this bill, this anti-LGBT bill. That cost the state millions of dollars in lost business and everything else, but they didn't care. They kept it in place. And um, so uh, Pat McCrory ends up losing. At the same time, the Republicans have so gerrymandered the state assembly. That they were able to hold on, that they not only did they hold on to control, but they actually have a, 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 a veto proof majority there. So they're looking at a Democratic governor coming into office with a veto proof majority, super majority. They can pass any laws they want. And uh, the governor can veto them because he's a Democrat and they can simply override the veto. But that is not enough. They have to take away power from the Democratic governor, and to do that, they called an emergency session, which was originally for hurricane relief. Uh, hurricane, what was it? Hurricane
1: that? Matthew. Matthew. And uh, they did pass the uh, the hurricane relief, the sort of the funding to help people rebuild right. and recover.
0: Right. They, so they did this in the, in the lame duck session and then they're supposed to, they actually, it wasn't even a lame duck, it was a special session. They called an emergency session because they're already out of session this year. So it was an emergency session to pass this hurricane relief bill. They did that. They completed the special session and then they said suddenly, oh, Let's well, have another here. special session now. Yeah. And uh, they had known about this for several days, but they didn't tell the Democrats. And all of a sudden they started pouring forth with all of these bills that would severely limit the power of the incoming governor.
1: It's amazing how quickly they wrote all those bills. They and had, had them, them all ready, ready
0: to, to go. go. Yeah. Amazing. Despite the fact that millions of North Carolinians had wanted uh, Democratic uh, control, at least of the uh, of the governor's mansion. The Republicans said, well, we don't care. We're going to take away all of uh, that governor's power or much of that governor's power. And there was protests and it was just like what we saw in Wisconsin a few years ago. People descended on the state capitol among the things that uh, the Republicans were trying to do. For example, uh, North Carolina has uh, the, the, the election, the state election commission. The majority on the state election commission happens to be whichever party controls the governor's mansion. So for the last four years, the Republicans have enjoyed control of the uh, of the state election commission and they've enjoyed control of county uh, uh, county election commissions, which also operate the same way. Well, Republicans decided, no, you know what? That's no good. That's not fair. It's not fair to let one party control the election commissions. And they're kind of right. It is not. But it's only now that they have suddenly decided, after decades of of running it this way, that uh, now we need bipartisan commissions. So they're making the party, the, the, the election commissions bipartisan uh, and to, to decide, you know how to how to break the deadlock. Uh, they're going to make it so that Democrats control the election commissions in odd-numbered years, and Republicans control it in even-numbered years. In other words, Democratic Democrats control. Uh, well, we'll have the chairmanship of these bipartisan commissions in the years when there are no elections. And Republicans will control them in the years that there actually are elections.
1: It's a pretty neat trick.
0: It is a pretty neat trick. And so they passed two separate bills uh, to support that, to, uh, to, to take away the governor's power, to uh, appoint trustees to the, uh, to the University of North Carolina system. One thing after another, they're they now going to require approval by the uh, by the state Senate for any appointments by the governor. And they've limited the number of appointments from fifteen hundred appointments that the uh, the governor is allowed to make down to four hundred and twenty five. and And that's a concession for them. They thought it was going to be three hundred previously. They had originally hoped to make it three hundred. Now they're saying four twenty five. Well, they pushed these bills through in no time at all, in about a day or two. They finished them by Friday. We were reporting on this, I think, on Thursday. They, were, uh, they got it all done, signed, sealed, and delivered to the governor by Friday. And within 90 minutes, Governor Pat McCrory signed the first of those two bills. He has now, as of Monday night, signed the second. And in doing so, he downplayed the impact of the legislation, Uh, He he said uh, he, he said that he worked closely with legislative leaders to protect the separation of powers in North Carolina due to these efforts, he said, I've come to realize that the current changes to executive authority in House Bill 17 has been greatly exaggerated by misleading TV ads, paid protesters and state and national media outlets, he said, according to a statement as he signed the bill. To sign the bill that slashes the number of political appointees that the governor can make that allows the Senate to have authority to confirm or reject any selections for cabinet positions, to move authority uh, from the State Board of Education to the uh, re- to the uh, uh, Republican who was elected last month as the school superintendent. It's a brazen, A brazen power grab in North Carolina, but it comes on the heels of uh, gerrymandering, unconstitutionally gerrymandering the state districts there. Earlier this year, that's what a federal court found and ordered a special election for the uh, for the state. Twenty eight different seats. Will now have to have special elections, which means they'll probably have to do the entire state house as they uh, scramble, as they uh, you know change all of these that they found that after the 2010 census, the Republicans had essentially gerrymandered this, uh, done a racial gerrymander to you know to basically keep themselves in power. And that was also done, by the way, in Wisconsin, which also this year was found to have gerrymandered, gerrymandered. In that case, it was a, a a partisan gerrymander that they were allowed to get away with in Wisconsin. But when you look at it, these two states, Wisconsin and North Carolina, these two states where Republicans uh, in the state house have held these uprisings, these coups, these power grabs who, uh, who have passed this sweeping legislation Uh, to do things that they did not run on, that they did not run on as a campaign. They did not have a mandate to do. Not only did they not have a mandate to do, these things were very unpopular and they led to popular protests uh, day and night at the state capitol in both Wisconsin and North Carolina. That's what comes of gerrymandering. The politicians don't care anymore. They will pass whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want. And that's what they've done. In North Carolina and in Wisconsin. And there will have to be uh, new elections, but this we're talking almost, uh, well, we're, where are we now? Six years past the time that these uh, that these states were gerrymandered by the Republicans who took control in 2010. So that's what we have to look forward to. And not just in those two states, but everywhere. And this is one of the reasons why I'm 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 pointing these things out. It's not because I care all that much about North Carolina. I care about North Carolina, and I care about Wisconsin. But you know, we've got fifty states. They all have their own political issues. But this is the roadmap. This is this is the plan. This is what they are going to do everywhere, unless Democrats figure it out and start to take action on it. Uh, Washington Post Paul Waldman said. Uh, He described it as a a coup going on in North Carolina, and he says it's one that tells us a lot just about how far Republicans are willing to go to hold on to power and undercut Democrats. He says this isn't just hardball politics. This is a fundamentally anti-democratic approach to government, one that says when we win, we get to implement our agenda, and when you win, you don't. He puts it in context and he says that nowhere perhaps in the country have Republicans moved more aggressively to solidify their power by disenfranchising their opponents as they have now in North Carolina. And as they have been actually for the last year or two, he notes that uh, immediately after the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013, Republicans enacted... Uh, A voter suppression law that, quote, targeted African Americans with almost surgical precision, as discovered by the federal court that struck down that law. In 2016, Republicans outpolled Democrats in North Carolina congressional races by a margin of only 53 to 47, yet they held 10 of the state's 13 congressional seats. 10 of 13 seats and the situation in the state house he says is very similar in both the uh, in both the senate and the house for example in this year's election republicans won 56% of the votes to the state senate yet they control 35 of the chamber's 50 seats Paul Waldman says that's not to say there aren't places where Democrats try to use gerrymandering to their advantage, too. But there is a shamelessness to the way Republicans change rules, trample over long established norms and generally act as though any result except one in which they win is inherently illegitimate. And that's the fundamental principle, he says, that guides them. As far as they're concerned, Democratic votes are not real votes and therefore they can they can and should be suppressed elections in which Democrats win can only have been stolen and elected Democrats are usurpers against whom no tactic of subversion is out of bounds. To make his case, Waldman goes on to say, ask yourself, what would be happening right now if Donald Trump had won more than three million votes more than Hillary Clinton, but that Clinton ended up prevailing in the Electoral College? Imagine what would happen if Donald Trump. That's a record for Hillary, for any, uh, for anybody. Uh, three million votes and st- over your opponent, and still lose the White House. We've never seen anything like it in the country. So imagine if the cases were reversed, what would Republicans be doing now? You heard, you know, complaints about oh, uh, Democrats are trying to influence the Electoral College vote, trying to get the, uh, uh, the, the, the the Trump electors to change their vote, and how outrageous that is. Well, you know what? It was a few people. It was an effort. I think you know, it was a good effort. I think something like four million people signed a Change.org petition. Uh, to to encourage the Trump electors to vote for someone other than Donald Trump. But it was not the Democratic Party. It was not Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, for her part, would not even file for a a recount, a so-called recount, to make sure that the results were counted accurately. Even a place like Michigan, where 10,000 votes out of 5 million cast separated the two. And we've got uh, huge questions about undervote numbers in uh, in Michigan. And when Jill Stein tried to carry out a recount in Michigan, hundreds of thousands of ballots were deemed uncountable because they did not match because the number of ballots did not match the number of people signed into the poll books. And there was nothing to be done about it. And Hillary Clinton did not raise holy hell and Democrats did not raise holy hell. They didn't even make a peep. But imagine if the situation was reversed. Imagine what would have happened. Waldman goes on to say, you think we're divided now? If the situation was reversed, we would be on our way to civil war.
1: I would have to agree with him on that. The Republican Party likes to implement their scorched-earth policies as soon as they can, and if the situation had been reversed... Uh, I think the Democrats would be reaching out to them right now to find out where they could compromise.
0: (laughs) Yes, of course they would. And so, you know, the Republicans are not only not going to be finding how we can work together, how we can compromise. They're going to go in and take away whatever power they can. They're going to pass more laws. Uh, like the photo ID laws that they've been trying to pass around the country, the voting uh, restriction laws, and uh, matter of fact, in Michigan, that's exactly what they're doing in the state house. In Even the middle of the recount, while the recount was going on, <laughs> yeah. Hey, it worked in uh, it worked in Wisconsin. Let's do it here.
1: I mean, I don't think Paul Waldman really goes quite as far as as I fear this will go. You know, because it's not really just oh, you know, how far they're going to go. It's it's not just, we won't let you implement your policies. It's, we're going to set up the system and rig the system so that you can't get us out.
0: That's how they play. That's how they roll. Waldman does go a little bit further. He says okay. in, the, in the next few years, Democrats are going to be up against versions of the North Carolina model in every state where Republicans have power and at the national level as well. Efforts not just to implement Republican policy goals, but to change the rules to make it as difficult as possible for Democrats to win. It has already been happening for a while, and he says it's going only going to accelerate. I hate to say it. But I agree. But you know what? We cannot sugarcoat it. We cannot pretend somehow this is going to get better, that somehow Donald Trump is going to pivot. Republicans are uh, going to start working together with Democrats. It ain't going to happen. This is how they roll. What are you going to do about it? What I'm going to do right now is take a break and come back with the Green News Report and a little bit more on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. (laughs)
1: And thanks.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. Most people aren't melting across the uh, United States this week, Desi Doyen. Not at the moment. It's uh, the polar vortex uh, has uh, come down across the U.S., it's freezing all over the place, and therefore. There is no global warming, (laughs) as usual. I'm sure I haven't seen Fox News lately, but I'm sure there are.
1: I don't even bother to look anymore because you just know that that's what they're going to do. No, just so you know, it is related to the loss of Arctic sea ice. The heating up of the top of the world changes the jet stream that drives all weather across the northern hemisphere. So yeah, we broke the Arctic, and now we're breaking the weather systems.
0: Yeah, but it's cold out, so there's no global warming, and let's cancel science. Speaking of which, uh, because I know actually we got uh, some breaking news from uh, Obama, so I want to get to that after, so let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. A study by the Reuters news agency found lead poisoning twice and even four times higher Than what was seen in the recent contaminated water crisis in Flint, Michigan.
1: Three thousand American communities have high levels of lead contamination in children.
0: This business and many other here simply cannot reopen until the city says this water is safe.
1: Tap water now safe to use in Corpus Christi after acid accident. Interior Department races to protect drinking water from coal mining. Plus, don't get depressed. Don't get upset. Get organized. Get to work. Scientists rally to protect scientific integrity and research in the coming Trump administration.
0: All of that science and integrity straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And
1: I'm Desi Doyen. Stand
0: by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Trump will nominate ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson to be Secretary of State i got to say, Rex Tillerson could be one of the most oil tycoon names of all time. <laughs> right behind right. Tex Drillerson. <laughs> this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, water, water everywhere, but uh, you can't drink any of it. It's all poison.
1: (laughs) Apparently. It is true a new study of public health records has found 3,000 neighborhoods in the U.S. where children suffer from lead poisoning. The study by Reuters examined neighborhood-level blood test results in federal and state health databases across the country. It found children's lead poisoning rates two to four times higher than levels measured in the recent water lead contamination crisis in Flint, Michigan, in some locations, up to a third of the children had high lead levels. Mm. But these towns are getting little to no attention, indicating a persistent failure to fund and enforce lead abatement programs to remove lead from soils and lead paint in older homes across many states.
0: Whose responsibility is that, the federal government or the state governments in in each of these cases?
1: It's both, but it's up to the states to actually make it happen.
0: Well, that's good because I know Donald Trump is going to make America great again, but... But he sure as hell isn't going to get the lead out of the water.
1: In Corpus Christi, tap water is now safe to use again, say city officials, after they lifted a do-not-use order for the city's 300,000 residents and businesses. That happened after an asphalt manufacturer accidentally released a small amount of corrosive acid that may have entered the city's water system. Mm. The acid causes respiratory problems and chemical burns on contact. It's the second do-not-use order for Corpus Christi this year. The Obama administration Interior Department on Monday imposed new rules on coal mining near drinking water supplies. Eight years in the making, the stream buffer rule bans coal mining within 100 feet of streams. It prevents coal companies from permanently polluting thousands of miles of streams, and it affects mostly West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. It also requires mining companies to restore the land to pre-mining conditions. But the National Mining Association says it plans to fight those new standards in the new Trump administration.
0: Well, of course they do. But naturally, you think, well, Trump is going to undo that. But the fact is, these rules, that one, eight years in the making, they take a long time to put in place and a long time to undo, do they not?
1: Yes, it depends on what stage of the process it's in but it can be overturned.
0: And here I was trying to find something to be happy about. Thanks for nothing, Desi.
1: Meanwhile, at the annual meeting of the American Geophysical Union in San Francisco last week... There's
0: something to be happy about.
1: Hundreds of climate and earth system scientists also did something that scientists almost never do. They rallied for scientific integrity. Here's Georgia Tech professor Kim Cobb in a video posted by Climate Truth.org. What we need right now is all of the scientists who care so deeply about their work, about facts and data and truth, to shake off the fear that holds them back, not thinking about it as a political problem,
0: by thinking about in defense of science. It was kind of amazing to see and good to see all of these scientists actually out there in the streets rallying. You're right, that is something we do not see very often.
1: Yes, and U.S. scientists are now establishing backup databases to hold U.S. government scientific research from NASA, NOAA, and other crucial science agencies. While there's been no explicit threat from the incoming Trump administration to remove access to that data, Trump transition advisors have promised big budget cuts for NASA and those other science agencies. Mayors and governors in many states say they are also determined to protect scientific research and integrity. In a fiery speech at the AGU meeting in San Francisco, California Governor Jerry Brown pledged that if the new administration cuts NASA's research funding and satellite programs, California will step in to defend science. And if
0: Trump turns off the satellites, California will launch its own damn satellite. We're going to collect that data. Man, all I can say is that it's, uh, it's good to be living in California right now Yep. for what it's worth. Come on out. We'd love to see you before we build up the wall to keep out the Americans. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we didn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your... Green News Report. Open up that golden gate, California. Here I come. Oh, uh, not to rub it in. Come on out. We'd love to see you out here in California. Okay, uh, Des, before we go, Obama p- bans drilling in parts of the Atlantic and the Arctic
1: Yes. Uh, so he announced on Tuesday what he's calling a permanent ban. It's on offshore drilling and on gas drilling, and it's across a really large areas of the Arctic and the Atlantic seaboard. Um, what he's done is he's invoked uh, what's called the 1953 Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act. Now he says that that gives him the authority to act unilaterally, and that it cannot be overturned. Um, we're not exactly sure if that is true. I mean, I think it is. It's one of those things where the precedent it is never been overturned by any any president in U.S. history when a president has invoked one of these laws to do this. So if that's true, then it does sound like it would be either uh, impossible for an incoming Trump administration to overturn or it would Trigger such litigation. I'm laughing. I'm
0: laughing already. I know, Impossible. It would, I know. it would be impossible. They couldn't have. Uh, there were incoming. Uh, re- Trump administration couldn't do it. A Republican House couldn't do it. A, Senate, a Republican Senate couldn't do it. A stolen Republican Supreme Court would never approve it. They
1: would never do such a thing. So yeah, they would have to change the law, which is, of course, you know, possible and and at this point, probably likely. So it would take years, though. There would be a ton of court uh, filings. One presumed that's why it's useful to support environmental groups that specialize in litigation for these kinds of things, because they're going to be very, very busy in the in the coming years. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, it's it's a precedent and it's never been overturned before. But this is in we're in Trump world now where precedent doesn't necessarily count anymore.
0: So there's a possibility this can hold this ban on drilling. And uh, I guess I want to say why I didn't and I, I know you don't have the answer to it, but. Why the hell didn't he do it earlier when he had the chance uh no I mean he had the chance he still has the chance he's still the president but you know back when it could have been established law it could have been uh, challenged and fought There are Uh, some questions about
1: that. You know, one of the things might be that, well, if he does it and waits until, you know, and if he does it before the election, then it will be used as a hammer to hammer Democrats to it would have been used against Hillary Clinton to say that she you know, she would have to come out and say whether she would support this. And then she was trying, it seems that the Democrats were trying to navigate this uh, minefield between appeasing the oil and gas industry, appeasing the banking industry, which is invested in all of this oil and gas and makes huge profits off of it, versus, you know, appeasing the, the lefties, the hippies, you know, and making, giving them just enough crumbs to make them think that it wouldn't be so bad. I think that might have been a political calculation on Obama's part, but that's where we are now.
0: Or perhaps a political miscalculation on Obama's part. I mean, it's always before an election. There's always another election coming up. And if he was uh, if he is as concerned about global warming as he claims to be, and I believe that he is, uh, you know, there was a lot of activities that he could have taken long ago that, frankly, Republicans would have taken long ago if the situations were reversed. But you know what? Republicans ain't Democrats. Democrats are scared. They are scared of everything. Republicans are not, uh, and for good reason, because they own the congressional districts, they own the media, they don't have to be frightened anymore of elections. And where they are, well, they'll just keep people from being able to participate in those elections. That's how it works.
1: This is the landscape ahead.
0: This is the landscape Right here, that we are now living in. Again, don't want to sugarcoat it because we're going to have to figure out what the hell to do. We will figure out what the hell to do in our next thrilling broadcast, no doubt. Until then, <clears throat> my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Or via your favorite podcast site like iTunes, where we hope you'll <clears throat> give us good review, make it a little easier for everyone else to find us as well. My thanks also uh, around the holidays here uh, to those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. We're one of the few progressives left over your public airwaves. So thanks for allowing us to uh, continue that with a visit to bradblog.com/slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com and I can be found on the Facebooks and the Twitters where you can share our reports at the Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>